The Giants took it on the chin in a 31-26 loss in the Motor City to the Lions. Our own Paul Schwartz joins us from Detroit to break down Big Blue's fourth straight defeat. We also chat with Giants legend and two-time Super Bowl champion Otis Anderson. All that and more next on the New York Post's Blue Rush Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Blue Rush, a New York Giants podcast with the New York Post. We'll be bringing you Giants podcast every Monday after games and Thursdays previewing Sunday's game for your listening pleasure. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Jimmy Fela. We'll be joined every week by our team of Giants New York Post beat writers. We'll also be joined every week by current and former Giants players, along with celebrity fans, assuming we still have any after this week's game. But let's get it all rolling. Man, oh boy, oh man, I don't know where you start after today's 31-26 loss to the Lions in Detroit. Giants now 2-6 and six on the year. And I think like a lot of Giants fans listening right now, I have one question on my mind, uh, and that question is, how long until pitchers and catchers report to spring training? What a rough day for New York football, and uh, no, rougher, you know, probably more than so than anybody for Pat Shermer who is now outside looking in as the Giants have just called a players-only meeting after a debacle in Detroit. Shermer, we've, we've already talked about his questionable play calling last week with the draw. He sat on a challenge flag today in what I thought to be the most obvious challenge situation of the season, but apparently, I don't know if he's collecting them like you could redeem them at the end of the year for travel points or, you know, Marlboro Miles or Amex points. But Pat Shermer needs to throw the flag in that situation. And the referees were no, uh, no fan- friends to the Giants all day long today. So as we sit here right now, you know, I try to be the optimist on this show. Uh, but you really got my back against the wall. Joining me now, a man who's always been a fresh air for the team, (laughs) fresh breath of fresh air, uh, the great uh, Giants writer Paul Schwartz. What's going on in Detroit, man? Can you hear how rattled I am? Yeah, it sounds like um, you're calling the plays here down the stretch with um, with the Giants. No, it, you know, look, it was it was a bad game. Um, it was a really good game for Daniel Jones, though. So I guess if you want to look at the bright side and say, look, this is a lot about developing our franchise quarterback. Uh, Daniel Jones was excellent. He was the only reason why they were competitive in this game in a lot of re- ways, in a lot of respects. Four touchdowns, no interceptions. So. That's the bright side. The bad side is fourth straight loss against a team. The Lions who had lost three in a row. And, um, yeah, a lot of bad stuff. Uh, Jones was team. good, but a lot of other really bad stuff. So so as the Detroit Lions were blaring don't stop believing over the speakers, are you saying as Giant fans we do stop believing, Paul Schwartz? Well, I don't even know if the Giants fans have started believing. You know, this, this it, it's it's, a, it's it's not a good team. You know, with yeah. three and thirteen two years ago, five and eleven last year. You know, this year they're two and six. Uh, but if you want to take the long road, play the long game, that this is mostly about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones bounced back from a, a couple of really rough performances and a rough start in this game with that. You know. Uh, Pass behind the line of scrimmage that was returned for a touchdown. After that, he was really good, really tough. I mean, let's face it. When a quarterback throws four touchdown passes and does not throw an interception, he should win the game. But the Giants are not a good team, and so they lost the game. Oh, I got to tell you, man, our, our secondary couldn't cover a pool in December at this point. It really isn't pretty out there. That flea flicker 
It was a real backbreaker. And, uh, you know, on last week's podcast, um, you know, we were talking to Harry Carson about how, you know, Matthew Stafford just has that ability to keep making plays. And he sees a lot of that in Daniel Jones, but obviously doesn't put him on the Stafford level yet. But like yourself, I was encouraged by two beautiful balls he threw to Darius Slayton in this game. And, uh... I guess we have to look at the positive. I mean, what else do you do at two and six? I mean, there's only I'm only willing to run this bar tab so high. You know what I'm saying, Paul Schwartz? Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, it, it's mostly about Daniel Jones. Look, if they won this game uh, 17-16 and Daniel Jones was really bad and uh, they made a few defensive plays and the Lions uh, were really bad, you'd feel great that the Giants won, but you'd say, geez, that's another bad game for Daniel Jones. So he looked really good, and and he's a keeper, I think. Uh, he throws a beautiful ball. He threw a few passes today, Jimmy, when he was on the left hash, and he had to throw it across the field, across the width of the field, uh, without really stepping into the throw under pressure, and he got the ball there. Very impressive. You mentioned the passes to Darius Slayton. That's another rookie. You know, he was not a highly – acclaimed rookie you know the guy was a mid-level pick he's playing well very well he only had two catches in the whole game two 20 plus yard touchdown catches but there's enough bad things going on here where as you alluded to earlier the Giants uh, after the game the players pretty much came right out and said we're having a players only meeting on Monday morning and we got to hash this stuff out we got to talk about it uh it's uh we got to be more accountable Jabril Pepper said flat out, we can't keep saying the same things each and every work, attention to detail, little stuff. We keep on shooting ourselves in the foot. And he said, why play like that? And he's exactly right. Why play like that? Last week they were down 17-0. This week they're down 14-0. It's just just a recipe for failure. Yeah, you can't spot teams a lead like this. Uh, Another bright spot, I thought Saquon looked better today. Were you encouraged by Saquon today? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much always encouraged by Saquon. He's tremendous. Uh, You know, he didn't have a lot of room to run the ball. He uh, caught the ball really well. But interesting, you know, when things go bad, it kind of drags everybody down. And Saquon Barkley was really down on himself for that play early in the game. It's, It's a pass behind the line of scrimmage. That he is, he he doesn't really make a play for. He thinks it's incomplete. Devon Kennard, the former Giants linebacker, he kind of lets up too. And then he looks at the loose ball and says, you know what? I've been taught to pick that up, scoop and score. He picks it up and runs with it. Saquon is kind of late realizing what's going on there. He chases him, kind of gives a half, half-hearted attempt to knock him out of bounds. And Saqu- Saquon said after the game, my effort was lacking on that play. And that's not why... They named me team captain. They know that's not what I'm about. So he was down on himself. And so you see this losing his way on everybody, even someone like Saquon, who just spit out the words that I my effort was lacking on that play. That was hard for him to say, but he did admit it. He did take accountability for that. Yeah, that's a tough day for Saquon. And, and you know, I, I do think he looked healthier. I think we saw better, you know, leg strength. And, he you know, he looked like the cuts were there today. There was the one stumble on what looked like, I guess, was that a turf monster where he caught the ball over the middle and tripped over the turf? Well, yeah, he he um, he had some more room to run. It was a 38-yard uh, catch and run, I believe. But, yeah, he could have got more. You know, that happens. It, look. The, the least of the Giants' concerns is Saquon Barkley, and, and the key is even if they keep losing, they have to look at themselves and say, is the least of our concerns also Daniel Jones? The last few weeks, the answer was no. He's a concern. Today, no concern. I thought I, yeah, I thought great. he was really encouraged. He did look great. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess my biggest takeaway today um, was it felt like a referendum on Shermer. 
When you see him hold on to that challenge flag, I know a lot of people are voicing the same frustration. They're 0-5 on challenges this year. That seemed like the most after, the most obvious place to throw a flag. Is he protecting timeouts in that situation? Why is he not throwing that challenge flag? Well, first of all, you know, he said tonight after the game that, no, I would have thrown it. You know, it's not like I'm uh, – because he said last week, I'm going to keep throwing them if I think it warrants it. Uh, but he also did – he did some research and some soul-searching this week, and he sees they've really only overturned one in the last several weeks. But on that play, Jimmy, it's a little funky because the official threw the flag, and then he picked the flag up, and then he met with the other officials, and they said there is no foul on the play. So that is kind of a tip-off that they are not going to overturn this. I thought it was – uh, uh, something that could have been called. It was not. I have much more umbrage with uh, and much more I, I take um, dissatisfaction with what Pat Shermer did by going for the two-point conversion with five minutes to go in the third quarter. I don't think that made sense at all. It was too early to do that. Just because you miss an extra point in the second quarter does not mean you have to chase that point with 20 minutes to go in the game, and it ended up costing them because in the last couple of minutes, where they're on the Detroit 14-yard line. They have to go for it on fourth down because they're still down two scores instead of saying, you know what, we can kick the field goal here and get within eight points. So I think that was much more egregious than not throwing the challenge flag. Just do not go for two points with 20 minutes to go in a game. It, I just I don't care what the numbers say. The numbers should start in the fourth quarter, not in the third quarter. And he was at, he he thought it was the right call. I don't think it was the right call. Again, another thing that I think he did not help his team uh, give his team the best chance to win the game. Yep, you you you're denying the team momentum in that position because you you know the extra point you'd like to think is a layup, although in this in this league right now that's never the case. But you'd like to believe the extra point is a layup. You got a little bit of momentum and you've got something to build on. But when you you hear things uh, like people questioning the play calling and people questioning the, the flag management, and now you hear players only meeting. Are we starting to get a vibe around this team that he's losing players? No, players only meeting is not is not a lightning rod to say that they're losing the coaches losing them. It is not. I mean, look, this is this is the age old recipe that players do when things are going bad. Okay, what do we do? What do we do? Let's call a players only meeting. So they'll, they'll, uh, you know, and, and, and I think coaches actually like that very often because it's like, okay, you guys care enough to hash this out on your own without us there. That's fine. And Jabril Peppers tonight was very adamant. He said, it's not the coaches. The coaches give us the game plan. They get us prepared. They tell us what to do. It's on us. We have to make the plays. We got to get our stuff together, which is why we're going to have a players-only meeting. And I asked him point blank, Jabril Peppers, I said, are you going to cut any slack to some of these rookies, guys like DeAndre Baker, who didn't make a good play on a ball today, um, you know, the rookies who were just maybe not doing their part? He said, no. It's eight games into the season. Uh, it's, you know, it's midseason almost. You're not considered a rookie anymore. We are going to go in there, and we're going to take accountability. We're going to get this thing straightened out. Now, do I have a lot of faith that this players-only meeting is going to, you know, the lightning bulb is uh, lightning. It's going to go off, and 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 it's going to say, oh, that's the reason why we're not uh, playing well. No, but it's. I think 
it can be a healthy thing. And I think it better than guys just saying, you know what, we're going to show up for work and whatever happens, happens. They're kind of trying to take ownership of this team. And I think that's a good thing. Although, like I said, it's not a miracle cure. Yeah. they've. I mean, you know, this is the thing though. It is nice to know that they're invested at two and six and they haven't tuned out and they're not, you know, they're not looking at next year and they're not moving on already. I mean, if anybody has an eye on next year, it's just because they're playing for a job at this point. Have you run into my man, Eli Manning? Uh, yeah, Eli was in the locker room today. He's on the sideline. Sure, Eli's around. He doesn't uh, keeps a very low profile with the media, but he's around. Oh, okay, I mean, I got to imagine this is very frustrating to watch. Although he doesn't really have much of a gripe after a four touchdown day by Daniel Jones, uh, I, I think he's witnessing Daniel Jones go through what he went through in weeks one and two, which was the quarterback was hardly the reason for the team's struggles. I am still of the mindset, and I know you and Serbia are eventually going to beat this out of me if the Giants don't do it for you. But I'm still of the mindset that the vast majority majority of the pieces are there and I want to ask Otis Anderson this when he joins us later I'm I'm wondering if we're dealing with an issue of experience or we just genuinely lack the personnel like what is your take when you look at this two and six team well I do not I do not think the Giants are playing way under their talent level I think they could have squeezed another game or two out of this so far but no I do not think a lot of the pieces are there I think this is still a rebuilding situation um, you know, offensively, they have some nice pieces, but they have an average adequate offensive line, which is a lot better than a lousy offensive line that they've had. So they've gone from lousy to adequate. Now, adequate is better than lousy, but it doesn't win you a ton of games. It wins you some games on defense. Some of their defensive pieces are very young, like you said. And, you know, they, they need more help. They need more talent. Uh, there's no question about it. You know, I think there will be another decent roster upheaval this year again uh, some guys are playing well but you know guys like Antoine Bethay you know he has the look very much of a one and done kind of hold the fort veteran safety signed you know do I see him coming back next year no uh, you know I mean they, they have they have I can see almost all their inside linebackers not being back next year. Uh, their defensive line, uh, you know, it's just okay right now. So on defense, there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done. So, no, I don't think this is just about let's bring these guys all back and we'll be okay. No, there's a lot of a lot of – it's more than tinkering. There's a lot of um, – uh, rebuilding that still has to be done here. Okay, so you're telling me in addition to the players-only meeting, we need a general manager and executives-only meeting, basically. We need a scouts-only meeting to do some scouting. Um, my last question on that. In the secondary, and I guess that has been the biggest red flag for us all year long on defense, beyond the personnel issues that you, you know that we've addressed, is there a communication problem? Like, why are we watching this many blown coverages? I think there is certainly some of that. You know, when you play man, you don't have to do much communicating, but they don't want to play man all the time because they feel some of these guys are just not up to the challenge. But, you know, on on the on the throwback play, the flea flicker, you know, they're beat on that play. It was an excellent play call, but Antoine Bethay, his job is to be the deep safety. He can't let a man run behind him. And so that was a bad play on his part. But, you know, I think – Earlier in the season, guys like DeAndre Baker, the rookie, there were a lot of communication problems. But today, he gets beat by uh, Galladay on, on a touchdown pass. He just doesn't make a play on the ball. So that wasn't communication. That was a rookie being too passive, not getting in front, letting the receiver box him out. You know, it's not good. It's 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 it's, it's stuff that has to be uh, fixed up. It has to be straightened out. Well, while they're trying to make a play on the ball, you can go make a play for some dinner in Detroit. Did they feed you yet, or are you heading to Motor City Soul Food like a grown-up? What's a guy like Paul Paul Schwartz doing post game? 
Uh, well, it's is there's some stuff to do here, but no, it's it's kind of a long day. I'll kind of uh, kick back a little bit. You know, the podcast takes a lot out of me. You know, <laughs> you leave it all out on the podcast playing field, Paul Schwartz. They say that about you. <laughs> yeah, my my vocal cords. You know, I need I need a little. You know what? I'll tell you one thing. That building at Ford Field is really loud. So even when you're talking up there and in the press box, you have to speak very loudly to be heard. It's a loud place. I thought that's another thing we didn't talk about. Daniel Jones handled that well. You know, there were no false starts, no procedures. You know, it's another thing you got a notch on him that he did well amid all this losing. So you got to take the good with the bad. All right, well, we will take it. That was that was not the optimism I was expecting. I, I appreciate that, Paul Schwartz. Usually I'm over here like the family dog running in circles, and then you and Serby walk in and kick me in the side. Uh, but you actually showed up today. I appreciate the optimism because it was needed. Uh, enjoy the rest of your trip, man. We'll see you back here in the hood. All right, Jimmy, take care. You're the best. See you, man. That was New York Post, New York Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz. Joining us now. This man is a Super Bowl MVP, a two-time Super Bowl champion, and the only OJ I would let date my daughter, if we're being honest. Please welcome the great OJ Anderson to the show. How you doing, OJ? I'm doing well. How you guys doing? Better now, man. It's great to have you on the show. This is kind of a big deal for us. After the day the Giants had today, we need a little chicken soup for the Giant fan's soul. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you know what? They're young, so I would not, you know, get bit out of shape over it. They will be better, and... Uh, uh, better days ahead of us. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's exciting for us to have somebody on who's been a part of those better days. That's the point: is we get a look, we get a look back, and a look forward at the same time by having you on. You, of course, the MVP of Super Bowl Twenty Five down in Tampa. The question we have for you, and we talked about this all day because you played in such an iconic game, uh, Super Bowl Twenty Five, and it goes all the way back to the national anthem. So we want to start there. You were on the sidelines for that Whitney Houston national anthem, which is considered the greatest thing in Super Bowl history. Did you have that feeling back then when you were standing on the sidelines? Well, first of all, nobody knew that she was even performing, so it was a surprise to all of us. And wow. and the whispers that went down the line when we realized it was her doing it, we, we were all excited. Mm -hmm. And it was just a matter of now just playing the, playing the game. Mm -hmm. you got someone that's from our state, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and performing in one of the greatest games ever played during one of the toughest times in the history. Um, you know, you, you, you want to do your part. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you guys are probably so locked in at that point that as great as it is, I mean, the only thing you really focused on at that point is the Bills, and I think it showed in everybody's performance. Um, a lot of people have asked you and talked about the game and obviously the ball control that kept the Bills, the K-Gun offense off the field the whole game, and you were instrumental in doing that with your, you know, 21 carries and 102 yards. What was the week like leading up to that game? You know, you're playing the Bills. They just beat the Raiders 51-3, to I believe. It was pretty ugly. What is that week like leading up to that game? Is there a quiet hum? Are you guys rowdy? What were the Giants like? Well, we were actually in Tampa. We had just left San Francisco and went down on the red eye. And it was just practically as usual. We went out prepared the same way, did exactly the same thing. Still, still ourselves being a very superstitious type coach. We want to make sure we didn't deviate from anything we did that we would have done at home. So we prepared the same way, the same days off, the same type of commitment. The only thing different was we had curfew every night where before you at home, you come in when you come in. But um, during the week, we had curfews, and then when it got closer to the game, the curfew went down to a reasonable time. I mean, we had to be in Rome in the bed at a certain time on Saturday night, you know, get ready for the game Sunday. Well, I will say, as a guy who spent a lot of time in Tampa, uh, the earlier the curfew, the better in that town. 
definitely. <laughs> That's one of those towns. 7 p.m. would have worked just fine for me. My li- I'd probably live a lot longer if I had a curfew in Tampa every time I was there. Um, <laughs> my question for you is, obviously, your defensive coordinator, Bill Belichick, um, won a ser- second Super Bowl as a giant coach that year before heading off to Cleveland. When you were playing uh, on a Bill Belichick team back then, obviously not on defense, but you were playing with Bill Belichick, were the signs of greatness there, or are you guys genuinely stunned by what he's become? Um, I, I think the signs were there when he put together one of the best plans to stop Buffalo Bills in the history of, of football because, you know, Buffalo Bills had one of the highest uh, scoring this uh, offensive team in the, in the league. So to have us to kind of hold him down and play the kind of strategy that he had uh, was never heard of, never seen. And uh, he revolutionized uh, that that game and his game plan and his brilliancy by by doing that. You ain't kidding, man. And and what a se- and what a seminal win it was. Were you guys going into that game? Were you guys quiet, uh, like quietly confident? Were you, you know, what, what do you feel? I mean, there's so many legendary guys on that team, yourself included. How confident were the Giants going into that game? Because it was obviously a tremendous upset, so I don't know that the rest of the world was as confident if you, as you guys were, if you were. Um, we knew we could play with them. We played them earlier than the year. We lost, you know, um, by, I, I, I believe, maybe 10 points or more. But we lost Phil Sims during that game, and Ryan Hampton got out during that game as well, and Hostel and I finished the game. So, we knew we could compete with them. Um, we knew that if we stick to our game plan and kept their offense off the field, we had a good chance of winning, and that's basically what we did. And damn right you did. What was your gut when that ball left Scott Norwood's foot? Did you feel good, or did you think you were losing the Super Bowl? Be honest. I was like, oh, you Giants fans, please go right. Please miss it. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything to compare that feeling to when a guy sets up a Super Bowl winning kick, misses it, puts you guys over the top, and you've just won the greatest Super Bowl ever played? You're getting the MVP trophy. Do you feel like, do you have anything else you can compare that to? I think when most men look down and look at their wife or their girlfriend and say, boy, I wish I could have a boy baby that could do as many things that I can do, and you get that wish, you get a kid, and he's exactly what you expect. I think that's about as close as you can put it. It's, having the ultimate kid that you want and you wish for and you get it. That makes sense. I mean, I could see that, and that's and that's probably the only thing I could compare it to because, I mean, as, as Super Bowl performances go and career highlights go, there's really not a lot of people that will ever be able to say they had the day Otis Anderson had, meaning being the MVP of what I think most people consider to be the greatest game ever played. Obviously, the running back position has changed a lot um, from 1990-91 till now. Um, do you think the way the running game has changed is for the good of the game? Do you think it's to the detriment of the game that the running back, the every down back, isn't as much of a focal point as they used to be in your day? I just think the game just changed so much. It's more of a passing game. And going to the old style and the old way just don't seem to be as prominent as it used to be. Uh, I think with the rules change and, and a lot of stuff has made the game what it is. And, and you don't see the two backs no more. It's just not, you know, full backs are obsolete. You know, those, they are hybrid type players where they can play slot tight end and slot back. So, you know, that's what you're looking at now. So you're not going to get what you're looking for. Yeah, it's definitely a different game. I mean, do you see, uh, is there a player in the league that you see a little bit of yourself in? Do you see an Otis Anderson in this league right now? Uh, Barkley is pretty much a young, a younger me version. I would say he is. And then, 
I like Nick Chubb. Chubb is another guy that I, I give kudos to. You know, and then Adrian Peterson in his prime was probably one of the best that ever did it. So, you know, that, there's some young guys coming along that's starting to show their wear. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a different type of uh, league and, and everything's different. Yeah, you, you're definitely right about that. Um, let me ask you this. Is, who, is there a guy you played with? I mean, obviously you played with a ton of Hall of Famers. You're a fantastic player yourself. Was there a guy you played with who was like a, a pro amongst pros, a men amongst men? Because I say that about Adrian Peterson a lot. He often looks like a men amongst boys. Was there a guy when you were playing that everybody on the field, he kind of stood out above all others? Well, come on, guys. That's a no-brainer. I played with two of the greatest linebackers ever played the game, Eric Hoffman <laughs> and Lawrence Taylor. Okay. So, for, you know, I, I don't understand how you could even ask that question. As far as I'm concerned, you know, two of the greatest players that played the game, at least during my era. No, 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 no question. But I'm, I guess when I ask the question, it's it's more so not because we don't recognize their greatness, because we're we're just always wondering. A lot of times, there's a lot of great players who make everybody around them better, who do a lot of things that don't show up in the box score and command the attention that the superstar player does. So I think we're asking you that more from a standpoint of, I guess, is there someone underrated that the rest of us didn't appreciate? Would that make sense? Well, okay, underrated. Most people appreciate it. Uh, father that I played against would probably be Roy Green. Roy Green probably one of the best wide receivers that played the game that I clearly say was underrated. Uh, um, another player would probably be Art Mark, who played for Washington Redskins. You know, uh, a great player that was underestimated, did a great job. Uh, Wilbur Montgomery for for um, Philadelphia. So I, I can go on as far as doing my era. Chuck Munson. You know the 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 list is the list is out there when you start talking about underrated players that, that did not get as much notoriety as worthy of their game. So, and you and you're talking so, about Roy Jets Jetstream Green. Is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. Your former teammate on absolutely. the St. Louis Cardinals. Absolutely. Who's well, a for sure? Yeah, yeah and just an absolute beast. I believe you guys were drafted in the yeah. same year, right? Because you went in the first round, yes, I think, with were. the eighth pick, yep. and I think he went in the fourth round, right? Yep. And correct. is. There's got to be some type of camaraderie when you're drafted at the same time in the same year coming up together, which is probably special for you guys, too. Yeah, you have a special bond. You wanted to work. Fields Brown was part of that group, and we're still family as we speak. So we stay in contact with one another. And probably one of my mentors was Willard Harrell, who was already there, that took all of us under his wing and taught us how to be a professional. So anybody could be a pro, but how do you be a professional? And that's what Willard Harrell brought us and taught us the game. Wow, that's yeah, that's really great. A guy who shows up every day, A games at every day, which I think is the difference you'd probably say between a pro and a professional is that you're doing everything with a tough a, a touch of class and, and prepara- preparation. A professional never going to embarrass his teammate, his league, his family, and the organization. Do you feel in the era of social media, um, with a lot of you know, which kind of encourages players to to command more individual headlines? Do you feel like this is to the detriment of these teams? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know I'm still beyond social media, and uh, you know, I, I, for me to try to elaborate how these kids function and make it successful for them, I say, you know, they got it. They got it. They understand it. They do it. It's their era. I mean, you know, you asking me to decide between apples and oranges, and I need both of them because they good. You know? <laughs> That's funny. I need to eat more of both of them, just based on what my doctor's telling me. It'd probably be a good start. Um, we're sitting here as diehard Giants fans, um, you know, obviously pulling for them every day, every down. Uh, when you watch this team, are, are you optimistic right now, or are you drinking as much as I am? I, I mean, you know, I look at it from a totally 
different point of view than you guys were totally fans and don't look at the X's and O's the way I do. And me and Stephen Baker, we call each other out there in the game and, and critique it and talk about it. So, so yeah, I'm optimistic about it. I think they're going to be a lot better as they get older. I think we need to um, uh, add some players here and there that's going to solidify the young core for the players we have. And, you know, everybody's going to go through this. Everybody goes through this. So, it, it's, you know, get ready. and Thank you, Stein. Meet your mom sometime next, you know. Everybody's going to go through this. Every, every team that plays this game that's been on the highest level we've been on and been as successful as we have been, going to go through these things. You know. Yeah, it makes sense. It's a growing pain. Um, if you're a veteran in that, if you were a veteran in that locker room right now on this team, would you feel like they pulled Eli Manning too early in the season? Do you feel like they gave up too soon? It's not a matter of giving up. I just think they they looked at where they were. They looked at the nucleus of that team. They look at the, uh, trying to get some uh, some camaraderie. So that's what it's all about. Having everybody accountable. They felt they had some. They needed to get some camaraderie because camaraderie with those young ball players looking at each other, and basically that's what they did. Wow. No, that makes sense. I mean, it's it's you know, I guess it is. It's a season that's they're they're looking towards the future more so than being uh, certainly a win now team. Um, we feel uh, as Giant fans, <laughs> we're in this. We're in the precarious position because we love this team. Obviously, we want them to do great. We see the core in place between the Saquons of the world and obviously Daniel Jones and the defense has some pieces now. And what do you think the difference is? Is it experience that's going to get this team to the next level, or is it bringing in more outside talent? Is it a combination of both? I would say combination of both. I mean, if you can grab from the league players who are young enough and but yet experienced enough to uh, understand the philosophy of what the coaches got in place, then that's a win-win situation. And also, you always got to build on the job because this is a young person's game. It's not a person's game. You know, NFL stands for not for loans. And uh, loans understand that, you know, you, you can – Maxed out. That's what you can. Yeah, the clock's the clock's ticking. Well, when you look around, when you look around the league now, um, what happens the rest of the way? Do you think we got to sit through another Patriots Gatorade bath for your old pal Bill Belichick, or is there somebody you see right now that could pull the upset? Uh, you know, it's still too early. Uh, I mean, they look good right now, and they look that way until we beat them in the Super Bowl. So until you get to that 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 game that it matters the most, right now, just it's just winner dressing. And so far, their winners are, are pretty darn clean right now, and don't look like that way for a while. But you know, let's see what it looks like when you get into December and January. That's when it really counts. Yeah, that's the reveal. You don't want to be the team that peaks too soon either, because there's a, the long history of that in the NFL. One more thing before we let you go, and we really do appreciate you joining us. I understand you have a roast coming up, December 11th at the Gotham Comedy Club. That's a thing, right, Otis? Yes, yes. Uh, I've been roasted by some friends, and. Um, I'm looking forward to see what they have to say. And, uh, you know, I'm going to find out how true my friends really are. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to be uh, my home club. I work as a stand-up comic full-time, and I filmed my first stand-up comedy special there. So I'm, gonna, okay. I, I, I'm definitely coming down and heckling. I'm just not going to tell you I which one's it. me. Of course. That's uh, that's, exci- that's exciting stuff, man. And, and i got to be honest, it's very good for the Giant fans to hear from you on a day like today, because it's a nice, it's, it's nice to remember that the glory days are out there and that the franchise has gone through this before. And eventually you get a couple of Otis Anderson's and Lawrence Taylor's to come along and, and kick a couple of asses. And we're back on top again. Absolutely. Just be patient, you know, and, uh, 
you know, good things come to those who wait. So it's going to be all right. Rock and roll. I'll see you at Gotham on December 11th, Otis Anderson. You're a hero for this. Thanks, man. Have a great night. That's it for this episode of Blue Rush. To hear the latest Blue Rush episodes, be sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Giants news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting NewYorkPost.com. We'll be back on Thursday with the latest from the Giants as we preview their matchup Monday night against the Cowboys and are joined by Giants great and Super Bowl champion Mark Bavaro. We'll see you then.